Well, in the name of Jesus, uh, dear friends in Christ, does anybody out there know what a myrmecologist does for a living? A myrmecologist. Haven't had any takers any of the services so far. Well, a myrmecologist or myrmecology is the scientific study of ants. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Not real. Oh, you were going to guess that, huh? No, not really. I'm not sure I would want to devote my life to the study of ants. And no offense to any myrmecologists that are out there or any future or aspiring myrmecologists. But I do find it interesting that the Bible, which Psalm 119 describes as a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, says that we are to study the ways of these amazing little creatures. And from our Old Testament reading for today, from Proverbs chapter 6, beginning with verse 6, we see scripture saying, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And a second proverb that talks about the ants, Proverbs thirty twenty five. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up food in the summer. As we continue in our sermon series today, Living in the Light, which is partially based on Henry Cloud's book, The Nine Things We Simply Must Do to Succeed in Love and Life. Today we look at that next building block biblical principle as we've been studying these in the book, as we seek to have the fullness of life in Christ that our Lord desires. And that's the concept of acting like an ant. Now, most of us don't like ants. I know my wife, Laura, when she sees the first ant in the spring at the house, that's not a pretty sight. And to be honest, most of us don't like ants invading our kitchens, invading our picnics, and our outdoor activities. But actually, ants are amazing creatures, and Scripture says we can gain wisdom by studying their ways. For example, did you know that there are over 10,000 different species of ants. That's amazing. I would not have known that unless I had done some ant research for the sermon. And so I did unearth some other interesting ant facts that I will dazzle you with today. For example, an ant can lift 20 times their body weight. You might say, big deal. But think about that in a human term. If a 200-pound person could lift 20 times their weight, That's 4,000 pounds, right? Those are indeed strong little creatures. Ants have been known to build structures 500 times their height. Ants, tiny little bodies with a pin-sized head, has over a quarter million brain cells in that little head. Ants have two bodies, or two stomachs, I should say, in that body. One stomach for storing up food for others, one for storing up food for itself. And finally, the last ant factoid that I will share with you today is that the average life expectancy of an ant is 45 to 60 days, less in our household. Yet these tiny creatures, right, honey? (laughs) Yet these tiny creatures have so much to do. It's not a pretty sight. So much to do in such a short period of time. So by way of introduction today, what can we learn from Scripture, from the Proverbs, and about the ants as we seek to live the fullness of life in Christ our Lord desires? Well, by way of introduction, I think the first point is this. Ants teach us about the importance of knowing what we want. And sometimes it's easy to live life, I think, and not know what we want. It's easy sometimes to get up and caught up in the current streams of thought and opinion and to not always have the focus 
that we might, what our life is all about. Ants know what they want. An ant has focus. It wants food. It dreams about food. It obsesses about food. It breathes for food. And as scripture says, it gathers a lot of food up during the summer so it has provisions for the winter. And I think at times in our life, we're at a great disadvantage if we don't know what we want in life, if we don't know what our focus is. Napoleon Hill, the great inspirational author, said this, all great achievements start with desire, knowing what we want. And I think this is one reason, among many, that our Lord, for example, wants us to be in a regular prayer relationship with him, grounded in the word, taking time to talk to our Lord, And more importantly, taking the time that he will speak to us and listen to him in the varied ways that he will work in our life, grounded in his word. That gives us our focus. That gives us our direction in life. Point number two by way of introduction, Proverbs and the ants. Ants teach us about, or ants I should say, push us to get the job done. From Proverbs 6, our text for today, ants have no boss. They have no overseer. Ants are very self-motivated. They have their marching orders. They know what to do, and they go about, and they do it. Likewise, as Christians, as I talked with the kids in the children's message a few minutes ago, we have our marching orders from the Lord. We have a job to do. We are motivated by, we are compelled by that love and grace of Christ that he has first shown us to share that good news with others. So our job Our commission, that great commission our Lord gave us in Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples of all nations, to share the love of the Lord with all that we do in our life. That's our purpose, and that's our ultimate direction in life. And point number three, by way of introduction for our lives today, the ants and the Proverbs. Ants teach us about thinking ahead. An ant comes up with a plan, Decide what needs to be done and when. For example, if it wants to have food for the winter, they're planners, Scripture says. They store it up mightily during the summer. So an ant gets a plan. He gets a timetable worked out, and then he's motivated into action. Ants don't procrastinate. They only have about a month and a half and two months to live, but a lot of work to do. So knowing that ants, one, know what they want, Two, they push to get the job done. And three, that they plan ahead is illustrated, I think, by one of the great works that an ant accomplishes with other ants in their lives. And that's the building of an ant farm, or sometimes they're called ant cities. And you can see that depicted on the screen. Now, if you look at an ant farm, and I don't know if any of you ever had to build one as a project, perhaps, for schooling along the way, Or maybe you've seen one on display in a museum. But they're amazing little cities. As you can see, they're a series of hills and valleys and layers. And it's an amazing complex. And if we didn't know better, we would think they were built specifically by engineer-trained little ants being advised by top-notch architects using state-of-the-art mini bulldozers to construct these cities. But they're not. They're only the product of individual, regular, ordinary ants that invade our kitchens, taking one step, one grain of sand at a time. And this amazing city, this farm is built. No one ant could build it alone. It's the product of many ants, one step, 
one grain of sand at a time. Just as I talked with the kids, no one bee could make enough honey to fill that jar. Henry Ford said, looking out in life, nothing is particularly hard in life if you divide it into small, simple jobs and you just go out and you do it. Last week, Sean in his message talked of his biblical building block principle of just do something. Get moving, show action. Today we build on that with the next biblical building block principle. The idea of doing something small, simple, and that our Lord says is good to act like an ant. And I believe there's at least five areas in our life that we can apply some of these principles that the Bible speaks about ants and how we're supposed to emulate them, to plan, to take initiative, to work hard in small, good steps. In other words... To act like an ant. And I think that first area we're called to act like an ant in our lives is in our relationships. And if you think about it for the moment, aren't the relationships we're blessed with, the wide array of relationships, aren't that one of the greatest blessings from our Lord? Look at the relationships we have in a family. You have a spouse, perhaps. You have children, grandchildren, siblings, people you work with, friends at school, and others. And any relationship worth having, worth maintaining, worth sticking by as it weathers life's tough storms takes a lot of work. And sometimes it's step-by-step building to strengthen it or to rebuild it. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter of Scripture, chapter 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is the most excellent way. And that was the foundation of our spring relationship series back May and June where we looked each week at a different building block characteristic of love that most excellent way. And what makes it the most excellent way is it's the love that God has first shown us, that perfect, sacrificial, selfless kind of love, which is the foundation for all good and healthy relationships. And we talked each week during that series that we're called to love everybody. Some people are more lovable than others, right? We're not necessarily called to like everybody, but to love everybody. And sometimes things happen in the rough and tumble of relationships. We're sinful human beings, and sometimes we hurt the people we love the most, don't we? This is the principle that is to undergird all those relationships. And sometimes we need to rebuild that relationship in small, simple, good steps powered by the love of our Lord that he has first shown us. St. Paul writes this in Romans 12, 18 about relationships. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Good words of advice. Easier said than done, right? And sometimes as we live out life and we find challenges in relationships, sometimes we can only do what we can, right? I think one of the things sometimes we don't get real well as we get older is that we can't control other people, can we? We cannot control their actions and what they do or they don't do. For example, let's say you've confessed something that you've done wrong to somebody and you're really heartfelt sorry and you've tried to make amends and someone will not forgive you. Well, we can't make them forgive us, but we can continue in small and simple and good steps powered by the love of our Lord who has first forgiven us. Continue to pray for them and reach out to them and take the initiative where we can, do our part, and trust the rest to the Lord's timing. Marriage is one of the most significant relationships one can enter into. 
And I don't think there's any doubt that the institution of marriage is under attack in this country like no other time in our history. If you believe the divorce statistics out there, one out of two marriages are in trouble. And any of us who have been in a marital relationship or are currently in one or will someday be married, we're going to go through periods of time, I would imagine, that you wonder, is your marriage going to make it? Maybe some of us are here today at that point. Think like an ant, powered by the love of God, one step at a time. Perhaps it is a willingness to show one act of kindness to a spouse when you feel they don't deserve it and you expect nothing back in return. One act of forgiveness. One opportunity to sit down and pray with your spouse. And maybe it's been months or years since it's just been you and your spouse praying. Willingness to go to one counseling session at a time as a first step. That's acting like an ant. Or let's say you have a teenage son or daughter and things are strained at home. Or we'll flip it around. Let's say you're having some real troubles with mom and dad as a teenager. And there is more silence than talking going on. And when there are words exchanged, there's more yelling than caring conversations. We're called to act like an ant. Try to rebuild and work on that relationship powered by the Lord. One moment of connection at a time. Forgiving one opportunity at a time. Holding our tongue for 10 seconds and not saying what we really want to say at a time. It's thinking like an ant. A second area in our life I think we're called to use these principles of acting like an ant, small, simple, and good, are in our work lives, our lives of service to the Lord. If you observe ants going across your kitchen floor <laughs> or across your picnic, they're hard workers. They work hard in life. And I believe Scripture encourages us to work hard in life, to use the gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities that God has given us to their fullest, to his glory and serve our fellow man. Now, I think it's always important to remember and never forget that we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith on account of what Christ has done for us. But yet works are important. The preposition is the difference. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for a life of works, for a life of service. And what we do in our jobs is serving the Lord. I think that's a major strand throughout Scripture of Christian vocation. Whatever you do as a paycheck, whatever you do for an occupation, you serve God. If you're a student right now going to school and you go to class and you, you, you do your homework, Hopefully you do. You're serving God, okay? You're serving God. If you're retirement phase of your life and you volunteer and you live out your life in the various realms God puts you in, that's your job. You're serving God. Ants give it all for their cause. And St. Paul encourages us similarly in Colossians chapter 3, 23 to give it our all in all of life's work. He says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And not for men. Martin Luther said this 500 years ago about Christian vocation, and I think it's very applicable today. He said, for example, the Christian shoemaker, whose job is to make pairs of shoes, does not serve the Lord in his job by putting tiny little crosses on every pair of shoes he makes. He serves the Lord by making the best possible pair of shoes for someone to wear. So we serve the Lord in our jobs. One pair of shoes we make, one part we put on the truck on the assembly line at a time, one letter we type, one class we teach, one class we attend at a time. A third area I think we're called to think like an ant in small, simple, and good steps is in our health lives with our bodies. St. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. 
Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We've been bought with a price, the blood of the Lamb. And God wants us to be the most fit and able vehicles and vessels to live out our life and to serve him. It's clear in this verse and in other passages of Scripture as well. And if you study ants, ants take care of themselves. They've got a lot to do in a short lifetime. And I believe our Lord also wants us to be concerned about our diet and our exercise and our weight and the amount of sleep we get and our stress level and having proper balance in our life that we can be the most fit and able vehicles of service to our fellow man and to him, however long the Lord chooses to keep us here on earth. And again, if you look at the great work of life of an ant, those ant farms or ant cities, there's three principles involved in it. Ants build them in small steps, in simple steps, that are good steps. Small grains of sand, routinely and simply put together over time for a greater good, that city, that farm. Let's use an example from our health life. Let's say we go to the doctor and we get a reality check, or we step on the scale and we have a self-check, and we need to lose some weight. And let's just use a big example here. Let's say the doctor says, you've got to lose 50 pounds. And you might say, that sounds good. If I can get it done in a day or two, I'm all in. Okay? And, you know, Henry Cloud in his book says, many times we like to frame life's biggest challenges in an all-or-nothing proposition. If we could frame it in a way that in our instant gratification type of world, we can get it done pretty easy in a day or two, we're in. Doesn't work that way, does it? Thinking like an ant in small, simple, and good steps would say, a 50-pound weight loss at the end of six months is nothing more than a series of one to two pounds a week that are small, simple, good steps that lead to that greater good of six pounds down. Small things that are simple to do that our Lord wants for us in our life. That's thinking like an ant. A fourth area that I think we're called to act like an ant in our lives today is in our money matters. We're called to be good stewards in the Bible of what God has given us. Steward means to be a manager. God has given us our bodies, our emotions, our relationships, our time, our talents, our abilities, our opportunities, including our financial resources as well. I don't think there's any doubt we live still in challenging economic times in our country, don't we? I don't think Michigan has fully recovered yet from the downturn that started in 2006. We've got 20-plus presidential candidates, and the election is still a year away, espousing and campaigning on all kinds of tax plans and economic theories to restore prosperity. Um, consistently, what is cited as the number one cause of divorce and marital fights? Money. Financial matters. And I would surmise, too, that if some of us occasionally have some sleepless nights along the way, sometimes it might be regarding money and finances. Again, let's think like an ant. Small, simple, and good steps. Let's say you look 10, 20, 30 years out and you say, wow, if I don't start putting $5,000 away more a year, I'm never going to be able to afford to retire. That's a lot to put down in one drop. Let's say you're a young couple and you're sitting one day around the breakfast table eating Lucky Charms with the four little kids and you start to realize, honey, if we don't start putting away some nice chunks of money some year, we're never going to send them to college. Or finally, thirdly, let's say you look at your charitable giving, that you, what you're returning back to the Lord, and you'd love to be at the tithe 10%, but it's a struggle to be at 2%. Think like an ant, small, simple, and good steps. Again, a lot of us cannot come up with $5,000 immediately to put in our 401k. 
But can we give up $5 a week, $5 a paycheck, a Starbucks coffee? Think in small, simple, good steps and work toward that goal. That's managing our money well, as the Lord would have us in thinking like an ant. Or let's use the example of the couple with the four little kids in college someday. It's not easy to put eight to $10,000 away a year starting out. But what one can do is say, hey, let's sit down, let's cut out $100 or $200 of extraneous expenses for next month and have that be that seed money. Let's get it started. Final example. Let's say as you get your faith giving card next month, you pray over with the family, you decide to take the step of faith out and you go from 2 to 3% of what you would return back to the Lord, which is all his anyway for the use of his work. That's small, that's simple, that's thinking good like an ant. Finally, the fifth and last area we're called to think like an ant. It's the most important area of our life to think like that. And that's in our spiritual lives, our faith walk with our Lord. And I think we all desire to be closer to the Lord, don't we? Amen? By the power of the Holy Spirit that we'd be strengthened in our walk with the Lord. But like in other areas of our lives, I think it's easy to backslide. I know it is for me. You know, let's look at the money aspect of our lives. Let's say you're on budget for a couple months. You're tracking well your expenses. Doesn't take much to get off budget, does it? Pick up some bad spending habits. Or let's say you hit your weight goal in terms of your physical health, but then it's easy to slip out of that discipline, that routine of exercise, or you start adding on a pound or two a month. Well, it's easy to backslide spiritually as well. And I'm going to use myself as an example for this one. I notice in my own life that there's a direct correlation between the amount of time I spend each day and each week in prayer grounded in in God's word, and the strength, I think, of how I live out my faith walk very imperfectly throughout the rest of the week as I encounter life's challenges and issues and ups and downs. In other words, if there's a day or a week where I'm really feeling pinched for time and I start shortchanging my time with the Lord, my personal time in prayer and study, you know what? I have a way of feeling it throughout the rest of that week, and maybe that's true for you as well. Martin Luther said this, I have so much to do today, I'm going to spend the first three hours of the day in prayer. Don't worry, I'm not going to encourage you to spend three hours a day in prayer. (laughs) But the point is, Luther had so much to do that he didn't have time not to pray. And again, thinking like an ant, small, simple, and good, it may be carving out five to ten minutes a day or five to ten minutes more a day to have that time, to be in that divine conversation with our Father, to take the time to speak and to listen to what he would say to us. Or in the related area of Bible study. Um, maybe we've been slipping a little bit in our individual time in God's word. Or in group study. Again, we can think like an ant. Doesn't mean you have to go home tonight and read all of Leviticus. You can if you want to. Doesn't mean you have to master the Psalms by the end of the week. But it might start out with five to ten minutes a day of time in God's word. And the Holy Spirit will teach us through God's word and will strengthen us in our walk with our Lord. Um, last New Year's Day, I gave up a, a sermon about uh, resolutions and making promises for the new year. And I used an example, and it wasn't mine, it wasn't original, someone had shared it with me once, where, you know, if you found yourself going into the new year, or any time for that matter, and let's say you've not been in God's Word studying for a while, you know, and the first of the year is convenient, but January is 31 days, there's 31 Proverbs, 31 chapters, and I encourage you to read a chapter a day each day for January and see if not by the end of the month that faith walk with the Lord hasn't been strengthened. Someone shared that with me many years ago. And I've had probably 30, 40 of you along the way the last eight, nine months share that you've done that. 
It's just one of many small, simple, good steps that you can do to grow in your faith walk with the Lord. How many of us know people who don't know Jesus? Maybe in our own family, right? A lot of us don't have to walk too far into the extended family to find them. Maybe people at work. Maybe if you're one of the many high school students up there in the balcony and you go to that amazing, yeah, they're waving at me, yeah. <laughs> that ama- my, my kids are ducking, but anyway. That amazing <laughs> complex known as the park, which blows my mind. Three high schools, 5,700 kids, 800 teachers, whatever. There's probably thousands of kids there who don't know Jesus and teachers as their Lord and their Savior. And if in this day and age, let's say we meet someone who doesn't know the Lord, and we say, hey, join us at church next week. They're not likely in this culture and day and age to show up, right, on a cold invite. But thinking like an ant and small and simple good steps means that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we start to want to build a relationship with that person, start a connection, have a caring conversation, and that in time, the Lord will bless that, and things will happen in that person's life, good and bad, where the Lord will open up doors, windows of opportunity where maybe we can pray with that person or pray over that person. God will give us those opportunities. He encourages, like an ant, to plant those seeds and keep watering. He's going to work the harvest. If we drew a one- or two-mile radius out from this church today, we would find thousands of people who don't know Jesus as Savior. We live in a country where there are millions. We live in a world where there are billions of people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as the way, the truth, and the life. And the mission field is vast. And it's increasingly diverse. And it is scary at times. And we live in a time and age where there are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world literally getting their heads chopped off because they believe in Jesus. We had college students and professors last week in Oregon gunned down in a classroom because they confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as Christians, we may be tempted at times to want to withdraw, disengage from this world and society, or put our heads in the sand, or throw up our hands in despair. But the opposite is called for, to be like an ant, powered by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love that God has shown us. Remember that we've got marching orders like an ant to go out and share his love. Have that sense of urgency like an ant. Because there is a sense of urgency. Time is short and hell is hot and like an ant, one grain of sand at a time, we're called to share the love of Jesus, one soul, one person at a time, to a world that so desperately needs to hear that. Amen? Amen. May we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, act like an ant to get doing, to be determined and diligent and planning ahead, trusting in the guidance of our Lord responding to that love that he has first shown us and be willing to take those small, simple, and good steps that the Lord provides as we live out his life of service to him, seeking the fullness of life in Christ the Lord desires for us. And yes, acting like ants and connecting others to and being connected to that one true living God. In the name of Jesus, amen.